Sean Moriarty from Nerds on Film here to talk to you about Audible.com. Audible.com has thousands of audiobooks for your listening enjoyment. And if you're like me, you enjoy hearing things rather than reading them. I mean, that's why we all listen to podcasts, right? So if you go to our website and go to either the blog or the podcast section and click on any of our blog posts or episode posts, you'll be able to see an Audible.com banner. If you click on that and sign up for a 30-day trial, you'll get a free audiobook and you'll also give us a little bit of money. And we need money. We need it really bad. I need an operation on my sense of humor. It's seriously starting to damage people. Go to our website, nerdonomy.com, click on the podcast or the blogs, and help us out. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Sarah Ashley, Brian Moriarty, and Sean Moriarty. Do you guys like sci-fi spoofs? I like really awful sci-fi movies. I like sci-fi so movies like that are so like, bad. Like, like the Sharknado kind of territory. No, no, sure. no I'm thinking like, like B-movies from like the 1940s and 50s. Okay, so you're thinking like Mothra or like... Godzilla, okay, yeah, in a way. Although the original Godzilla, before it was cut for American audiences, amazing. So yeah. much darker. It was great. Yeah. It was fantastic. Because like, it was supposed to be crap. the product of the, uh, the atomic bomb being dropped. Right? Yeah, exactly. And the Americans didn't like that, so they cut oh, it Oh, no. Out. We want to forget that we did that. So And that we did it twice. Right. Well, well, if we're talking, like, a broad term of sci-fi, like, Frankenstein is science fiction. Frankenstein definitely counts Jekyll and Hyde is science fiction. Yeah. Then I will say I do appreciate the Abbott and Costello, Jekyll and Hyde, and Frankenstein movies. So that's kind of a parody on the on I remember the Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde, which was uh, with Sean Young and Tim Daly. That was interesting. Well, it's tough, because, I mean, we can... I think it's easier to talk about sci-fi comedies more so than sci-fi parodies. Because there are a lot of really good sci-fi comedies. Okay, well, I think Mars Attacks obviously would count, right? Oh, that that's definitely is. Oh, yeah, and that's awesome. And that's totally in the vein of what I'm thinking of. I love it. B-movies. Like, yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. Men in Black, I'd have to say, is definitely also sci-fi spoof. I don't say it's a spoof. Really? I think it's a sci-fi comedy, but I don't say it's parody. Yeah, because it's what? actually an okay, adaptation now, of a comic book of the same is name. There s- huh? Is there some sort of middle ground where where would like Mystery Science Theater 3000 fall into? Because it kind of is just old cheesy comedy, but it's kind of a parody. <sighs> well, it is in itself its own science fiction because it is telling a story about them being on a space station. This so. is true. That's true. I think that's comic commentary. I don't think that that's sci-fi parody, though. Well, of okay. course, there is the king of them all. The sci-fi parody that is in of itself making fun of sci-fi parodies, which is Galaxy Quest. Oh, yeah. oh Galaxy <laughs> Quest is awesome. Yeah, that yeah. one is like almost Oh, that meta one is so good. Oh, it's super meta, and yeah. I love it. Oh, it's phenomenal. And I, I think I love Galaxy Quest as much as I love... As much as you love Babylon 5, Eric? Hey, that show was okay. Dude, Galaxy <laughs> Quest is genius in that it spoofs both generations of Star Trek brilliantly. And it also makes it, it is very self-referential, isn't it? it well, talks it is. About, it's a spoof of its own self in right. a way. Yeah, uh, it's just it's such an ingenious idea, and I can understand why it was so popular. What about um, was it Paul? It's the uh, one with um, yeah, yeah the with, one with yeah. Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. Yeah, and it's the voice of Seth, Seth Rogen, Rogen in this little. Th- alien, I think I, that, that, that's a parody. Is it though? I think what is it um, specifically? Spoof, I think though? it's it's so it's not an Edgar Wright movie, but I feel like it's along the same vein. Mm. What about uh, The Arrival with Charlie Sheen? I mean, that was obviously a parody and not trying to be serious at all. I don't oh, think come I saw on. that. No, that was trying to be serious. and that, it, that's, <laughs> I know, but it's so fucking terrible. 
<laughs> that you I could don't believe think I saw it. that it was like the Zucker brothers. All of a sudden, like these the aliens arrival. are posing as humans, and then they can like bend their limbs back, and all of a sudden, like leap. Yeah, because everyone knows that when your limbs introvert, they become better. Then why do we aren't we fucking superheroes at this point? Seriously, <laughs> somebody would have gotten the idea at some point. Every every time that to break their leg, yeah. and like can I still run it? Oh God, it hurts a lot, but I can go like ten miles an hour. See now that's the problem in football. If they would actually just get the person up and not put them on a stretcher and send them back out in the game, they'd probably do amazing. Yeah, because their knees break backwards quite often. Yeah, compared to other professions. The problem is they only would break one at a time usually, so they need to break the other and then send them back out in the field, and they'd be mm. fine. Okay, The Arrival Two, starring oh, Terrell God. Owens, oh God, and movie. Chad uh. Ocho Cinco, because they're not doing anything <laughs> right and now. And John Stamos. Well, then it begs the question: What do we think about the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension? Because <laughs> that movie—I don't even know how to classify it. It's so—it's so. Have you seen it? You've no, seen I've it? never seen it. You've no- oh, wow! Oh, it's. I tried to watch it on Sci-Fi Channel. It's one of the most amazing things and horrible things that Jeff Goldblum with... has ever done. Oh, Jeff Goldblum? Yes. I thought it was going to... There's one with Bruce Campbell that's very, like, tongue-in-cheek, old, like, sci-fi serial. Like, I can't remember the name of it offhand, but it was done for Sci-Fi Network. He's an adventurer, a surgeon, and a rock musician. Oh. Yeah. He is amazing. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it. It's very Flash Gordon-ish. Flash Gordon was yeah. the football player who was also this, the hero. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, was it Jeff Goldblum? Maybe it wasn't Jeff Goldblum. It's Peter Weller. Robocop. Yes, and Buckaroo Banzai of the Eighth Dimension. And, and look, John... at who, look at all the other people that are in that movie. John Lithgow. Really? Yeah. He's the bad guy, and he's terrible. Why have I never heard of this movie before? Because it's it. terrible. Oh, well. But it's great. But then again, to uh, quote John Lithgow, nothing's below his my dignity, so he'll do That's almost true. any part. You'd really have to be Alan to own this movie. Gotcha. I yeah. actually did own this movie, and then I sold it to a second-hand record store, and then I traded it for some mustache wax. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before this dies, I just have to mention The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Because even though it is That's technically a, a radio a drama... It's not a It's not a parody. But it totally parodies sci-fi in every single I way. I think it's a loving comedy. I don't think it's a parody. Uh, have you read the book? No. Okay, if you read the book and listen to the audio production and then watch the 1970s... Uh, TV made for movie, and then watch the current movie, then you'll understand where I'm coming from. Okay, I'm just saying because I just th- I just think then. that the I think that the more current movie just was not very good, but oh, it was like crap. But, but knowing everything else is before that, knowing a lot of the story of it is you know, like I just I don't think it's I don't think it's a parody. <clears throat> I'm I'm thinking more of like the 1970s okay. made for TV movie version, which was amazing. Okay, which you can get on Netflix. Really? Sean, oh, nice. will you please cue music from 300 as Eric and Sarah fight each other to the death? Oh. <laughs> ah! Is that what's happening right now? Oh, I, I started. Do you want Sarah, you're losing. You're distracted. I don't know why we're fighting. Ah! I'm a lover, not a fighter. All right, this is just getting awkward. I can't I can't keep yelling at her. Ah! No, see, I tried and it doesn't. It's because I need to stop giving you like the puppy dog eyes. Like, yeah. Don't I can't hurt keep me. stabbing you. It just doesn't feel right. Mm. <laughs> How has nobody mentioned the ultimate, the best, the number one, the upper echelon, the, you know, help me here. The greatest. The coup de grace. Uh, Spaceballs. The Aston Martin, if you will. The of, Aston Martin. The Aston Martin sci-fi of sci-fi parodies. parodies. <laughs> Spaceballs. Yay. Yay. The Stella Artois to our Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> Spaceballs! Like that super <laughs> duper cheesy Spaceballs thing. Super Spaceballs! Like, super like 80s, yeah. you know, tech with, with orchestra. Right? 
Oh my god. Yeah. You need more electric keyboard. <laughs> Stat! <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, that song was extremely 1987. Oh, absolutely it was. Yeah. yeah. But it's still awesome. Yeah. And, well, on that note, welcome to Nerds on Film, everybody. I'm Bran Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. And I'm Sean Moriarty. Like, I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I wish I was. I know. <laughs> I'm just really happy. Is, is, it, is it my turn? Yep. No one's going to introduce me. Fine. Oh, yes, hey, we got somebody else here, Derek. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, subbing tonight in the uh, vacant co-host seat is uh, my Nerds on History partner, Eric Brickmont. The last choice. Well, I... to be fair, you were home. That's true. So It's, it's like... either this or a jigsaw puzzle. So it's like, yeah, yeah, don't fuck this up. <laughs> and we were way funner than a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Although I was doing a really nice one with birdhouses and <clears throat> flowers. <laughs> you know what? It, it's okay. I, I can finish it later. It's fine. It's fine. <clears throat> you see, uh, you guys do traditional <laughs> jigsaw puzzles. I do Shut. ones of modern art that are actually all the same color. <laughs> the fuck up, Alan. Oh you should my see God. my solid white when it's quite striking. Alan, I will shoot you in the face with a proton pack if you do not shut the fuck up right now. All right, then. Thanks, Alan. Thanks Jesus, don't get your pant legs. Such a twist. You bastards, that would be bad. All right, so Spaceballs, obviously. It's still Mar- Mel Brooksuary, so um, this is our next... Our first annual Mel Brooksuary. Uh, we have yeah, enough to yes. do in another year, at least. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. I'm going to keep watching these movies every year, so I don't know about you yeah. guys. And we, well, I'm saying we have enough content to do at least another year of... Oh, yeah. yeah I'm saving a couple because I haven't seen High Anxiety since I was 10 years old, and I'm waiting for next year for that yeah, one. Yeah, I really want to see that. I really, I haven't seen History of the World Part 1 in a long time either. I just watched all these things a year ago, so, you know. There you go. I've kept it late this month, actually. I haven't, aside from the ones that we have planned to talk about on the podcast, I haven't, I haven't watched um, 12 Chairs this month yet, and um, I haven't watched Men in Tights this month or Dracula Dead and Loving It, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so let's talk a little bit about the turn that kind of took place because Mel Brooks was on a hot streak, and you know this is part of that hot streak. But he kind of had a shift, right? This was the first one where he admitted that Spaceballs went for gags. Yeah, it, it didn't really. He wasn't going in with any sort of artistic statement he was trying to make, like he tried to do with Blazing Saddles and with Young Frankenstein or with even like Silent Movie. He really just wanted to do a spoof of Star Wars. Like, that was the only thing he want that was motivating him. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and up to this point, though, his most successful movies, with the exception of the producers, were parodies. He found success with it, and he stuck with it. Um, it was kind of a good formula. But, yeah, this one definitely does have less artistic merit, for lack of a better term. Um, and it was a little weird, because for a lot of people, a lot of critics especially... You know, it, it was rough because this came out in 1987. This came out 10 years after the movie that it was parodying. Right, and four years after Jedi. Right. So um, at this point, a lot of people were kind of burned out with parodying Star Wars because sure. it was such a huge cultural phenomenon. Yeah, but what had what had really parodied Star Wars in that kind of medium, were there cartoons? I, or yeah, there... I don't think it. I don't think it was movies per se, but I think it was probably parodied in TV. It was parodied in like you know Mad Magazine type forums, National Lampoon, those, comic books those kinds well. of things. Yeah. So I mean, it's it was parodied in other media aside from just film. It, to be fair, though, Spaceballs is really his parody of all sci-fi because there's traces of everything. There's a trace of Alien in there. There's a trace of Star Trek in there. There's little bits and pieces that are all over. There's a little bit of Flash Gordon if you really, if you want to make it. Planet of the Apes, super obvious. Yeah, Planet of the Apes. 
I mean, you could argue that Captain Lone Star is kind of a Flash Gordonish or Buck Rogers like character. It was really supposed to be Han Solo, though. Well, well, yes, it was. It was an amalgamation. It was Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Well, at the same it time, parody they, Transformers. Yeah, yeah. It did parody. It Transformers. did parody Transformers in one line. Mm-hmm. There is. I mean, if you think about it, really, Star Wars was. I don't know why I emphasize the wars there. Star Wars, mm-hmm. as opposed to Star Wars, like Star said. Trek. Star, Star Trek, Wars. right? Uh, Put the wrong emphasis Star on the Wars. wrong syllable. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars was Lucas's homage. Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Say it as Chris Walken. <laughs> was Lucas's Star Wars homage to the <laughs> serials of the 1920s and 30s. Really, Han Solo embodies both a bit of Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon. A bit. Oh, God. God broke it. Say homage. stuck like this now. homage over and over again. (laughs) Homage. 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 (laughs) So I was... Wow. Which is funny, though, because this is probably also the first time, though, that he went in with a direct parody of a specific movie. Right. As opposed to his other ones, which were parodying styles... Um, and I think probably the more the most specific he had been up to this point was with High Anxiety because he was specifically looking at Hitchcock movies. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is a real shift for him because after that it w- well with the exception of um, Life Stinks, which I haven't actually seen. Um, it's the only Mel Brooks movie I haven't seen. But uh, Men in Tights was specifically parodying the Kevin Costner Robin Hood. And it was also it was actually also doing the the Olivia <laughs> de Havilland and. Yeah, and the Errol Flynn type yes. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. And then Dracula Dead and Loving It was very specifically parodying the uh, Gary Oldman Dracula. So While still also following, While still following the, the book. But the, but also, no, I would say it was following closer to the book. Yeah, but it uses bits of, of both. Bits, but also like in the way that Spaceball uses bits of other movies, but is more of a direct parody of Star Wars. I mean, right. I, think, I think the point we can get at is that he doesn't just pull from any one source. Like, I think when we talked about Young Frankenstein, no, too, he never he does. from Mary Shelley and from James Whale, too. Right, right. So anyway, case in point, yes, it definitely needs to be discussed in a <laughs> on another episode. Yep. Yeah, so this was where he was just going for pretty much more specific parodies but also going more for for gags than for his normal story woven that with natural comedy coming out of it i didn't learn <clears throat> anything from watching Spaceballs. exactly there was no meaning behind it it was just hilarious it was right. just a funny movie and it was a good time i to did watch. i think Spaceballs plays much more like a zucker brothers no movie i learned something what did what did sean learn only the first time that i saw Spaceballs did i realize the merchandising joke i got it and was like oh because that george lucas fella that made all my favorite star wars movies also made a killing on all that like that's pretty much I how he made all of his money. is tied into movies and how they market it yeah. right for kids. Yeah. In fact, um, so Mel Brooks had to get permission to make this movie from George Lucas because it was such a direct parody um, that George Lucas had said to him, you can do all the merchandising shit that you want. You cannot make Spaceballs action figures and sell them because they would look too much like my own. Same with lunchboxes and yeah. all you those things any that he was talking about. You can't sell any merchandise. Yeah. Right, right. Just the novelization is the only thing I think because, made yeah. it. I mean, because he pretty much thought people were going to get confused and think it was mm-hmm. exactly because I think it was, you know, the little stuffed yogurt was actually a stuffed Yoda. Yeah. So I understand. I get it. it Did anybody read Spaceballs, the book? No. Guess Sean, who wrote that shit? 
Oh, oh, God. It, uh, was the same guy? Was the same guy who wrote Collateral? I thought it was. No, it was R.L. Stein. Same guy that wrote oh. Stein. Goosebumps. Goosebumps books. Oh, that's yeah. right, right. I was confusing R.L. articles. Stein. I was reading multiple articles at the time, and I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. 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 R.L. Stein, who wrote a bunch of the Goosebumps were, the, were his kids' horror novels. I yeah. Mean, he wrote a bunch of like teen horror novels. Oh, the as young well. adult ones are pretty yeah. good. Oh, God. I'm going to sound like Alan right now. I preferred Christopher Pike, actually. <laughs> and I'm dead serious. He had Christopher Pike was like the other version of R.L. Stein instead of having Goosebumps series he had a series called Spooksville and it was very good oh Sarah it. I didn't realize that you and I were both literary kindred spirits oh Jesus Christ I want to kill myself now <laughs> <laughs> that's fine because then we can both haunt the nerd cave together no <laughs> <laughs> Alan I warned you one more time I swear to God it's not going to be the proton pack. It'll be the trap this time. <laughs> anyway, um, so Spaceballs came out in 1987, um, which is six years after History of the World. So we had a little break there. Yeah, he took a couple years off, basically. He, you know, he took his time. And, you know, honestly, he didn't need to work because he had done like four or five movies within four or five years and made a lot of money on all of them. So he was pretty set financially. He was basically pulling a Scrooge McDuck. Exactly. <laughs> right. Were you thinking he was swimming? Yes, I was exactly thinking he was thinking swimming. The exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so obviously the script pretty much wrote itself because he already had a film to follow. Yeah, and it, well, and it took him six months to actually write the whole script altogether. And as far as you know, casting goes, he actually tried to get. Um, he had John Candy in the bank pretty quickly. Um, Daphne Zuniga was pretty new at the time so we're talking pre-melrose place yep (laughs) jeez all right uh so 90s bitches oh god so yeah joan rivers signed on pretty quickly and was like yeah i'll do it and she only had to do a voice um that was not joan rivers as dot matrix the body but he for lone star he really he wanted like tom hanks or tom cruise he was actually trying to vie for them and that did not work out so well they were not not into it. Tom Cruise had a, had a movie that actually came out at the same time as Spaceballs, and it um, conflicted pretty heavily with it. And I'm trying to remember what it was. This and- is something interesting. Spaceballs opened up to what, like 16 million, mm-hmm. or six million, I forget. But it was all, it was the number two of its opening weekend. What was the number one? I bet it you was it's that it, fucking Tom. It was Cruise the Tom. Movie. It was the Tom Hanks movie. Or Tom Hanks. Movie. Oh, big. big. It's not big. No, it's not big. Dragnet. It was Dragnet. Really? Yes. Dragnet was the movie that opened up at number one. Yep. Over Spaceballs. Yep. Yeah. There is no God. I like Dragnet. <laughs> the one with Dan Aykroyd in it was... Yeah, mm, I liked it. It was a comedy. Yeah. It was a comedy of what was supposed to be a serious cop show. It was a, It was another parody, actually. If you think it was like it. a very earnest Naked Gun. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was It was good. a very dry Naked Gun. So, I mean, yes, so it was the, the number two movie, but it also... I mean, that, that's not any sign of its lack of success because it wasn't a failure at all i mean it made it made back over its budget it was only a 22 million dollar movie to make which i mean back in the 1980s was still a lot of money right keep in mind that batman when it came out two years later did 40 million dollars in its opening weekend and it was either 40 or 60 and that was no fucking gigantic at that time Mm -hmm. so 20 million dollars is probably i guess i'm guessing would be about 60 million dollars of budget today right it was not meant to be a big budget movie at all it was And you can tell because, I mean, think of it. All the scenes that are supposed to happen in space are in settings that aren't in settings that would be in space. You know, like they made a European-esque castle for Geridia. They made a diner. Yeah. They didn't just make that castle. That is a real castle. 
Yeah, no. There's a very famous castle. Mel Brooks actually got a lot of special effects people that are all multiple Oscar winners and did spend $25 million on that movie. And they really did want to make the effects look really, really good. It's all in the making of documentary. It's all in the I'm not saying the effects didn't look good. But I'm saying that the there are certain other things that were sacrificed. Like the, the sets were not as exotic. Yes, you can yes, the the flying in space looked awesome. The lightsaber effects and the blaster effects looked just like Star Wars and great on them for doing that. You know, the even the little alien Michigan J Frog scene was top notch for its time, you know. Well, it was but, done by Industrial Light and Magic. Exactly. Well, it was not te- technically speaking, no. It was done by a guy who broke off away from ILM after Star Wars. And he was the same guy who did the effect for Alien. And um, so he did the whole chest cavity thing. And then because ILM actually worked on some of the other stuff in Spaceballs, mm. this was the first time that that guy and ILM had worked together since oh, I Star see. Wars. I thought they also collaborated on that same scene together, but those were two, they so. were on two separate contracts, but they were working on the same movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, can I just clarify, though, that that castle, that is a real castle. That is King Ludwig II's uh, Neuschwanstein castle in Bavaria, and I have a beautiful 2,000-piece buffalo puzzle. Uh, <laughs> you, you don't believe me. It's, it's, I it's, fucking believe you, Eric. It's in my wall of puzzles. I will I will show you all uh, when we when we finish tonight's uh, recording. Well, yeah, anyway. That's all I'm going to say. Yes, it was an existing piece of history that they were using. They weren't trying to build this alien-looking castle. Well, well, they did, actually, because they put a bunch of um, murals and things that they had painted into that scene, and they added an extra bridge on it. And they did make it kind of try to look... Uh, alieny. I was just. You know what? I think what we're saying is Brian it. doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about oh, when it no. comes to spaceballs. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I will say probably <laughs> where he was a where Mel Brooks may have been able to save a little bit of money was on Bill Pullman, who at the time was a complete unknown. And Bancroft and Mel Brooks had saw him in some off Broadway show, kind of randomly, and just said, "Well, since we can't get Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks, what about this guy? He seems pretty cool." Barabbas was the show. Was that it? And it was in L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah, so way yeah. off-Broadway. <laughs> way <laughs> the fuck off-Broadway. <laughs> and they cast him in it. And to think that if they had never cast him in this, then we may never have had the um, Independence Day speech the way it was. <laughs> and so I'd like to thank Mel Brooks personally for making that happen because I use that Independence Day speech more often than not. I've definitely used it to help convince somebody to break up with someone else so <laughs> to get out of a bad relationship which you've mentioned before and i'm surprised that nobody's tried to uh, did i mention that before it was you i forgot i forgot that i mentioned that sorry i don't mean to repeat stories no 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 <laughs> i love that you're mentioning it again because people need to know that's yeah. hilarious it's great it's great if you know somebody in a bad relationship use the independence day speech it works and i mean in the making of the movie it's really it's interesting because I would like to have a bunch of random anecdotes and stuff like that, but I feel like everything is just so laid out beautifully on the movie. The Mel Brooks trademark of breaking the fourth wall comes complete forefront in this, where they basically are talking about the fact that they're in a movie damn near the entire time. His head crashes into the camera. They keep looking and making jokes at the camera. And the the famous now scene. Yeah. Wait, what the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at it now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? We passed then. When? Just now. We're at now. Now. We'll go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. 
And then it's such a classic who's on first setup. <laughs> right. It's yeah. it's awesome. I would have liked to have seen the first 50 takes. Oh, God. Oh, I'm sure. It probably would have been ridiculous. I there, bet they rehearsed it a lot. There were so many gags. Like, it's reminiscent of the 80s. Like, you've got Dot Matrix alone, right? Yeah. Wow, so beautiful. You no, know, the brilliant, you know. In the, I mean, unless you didn't work in an office with printers, then you right. would have totally lost the joke. But otherwise, you know, you would have gotten it. Mm-hmm. And you've got Michael Winslow from Police Academy. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he, and that guy's great. Yeah. He is so good at what he does, those random little sound effects and stuff. Right. Mel Brooks is quoted right. as saying that they saved $1,000 on their movie's budget by having him do that one scene. And, uh, <laughs> Mr. Coffee, right? That was the whole right. Mr. Radar. And Mr. Radar. And then Mr. Mr. Rental as well. At the but of course, I know that. I always have coffee before looking at Radar. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, some of the jokes that weren't as obvious that I think are beautiful to look at in retrospect, like Vespa, right? So Vespa means wasp in Italian. And wasp if you look in the Urban Dictionary, stands for White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, so essentially old money from New England. It was just, it's so just beautifully peppered in. And well, it's just, it's perfect. but at the same time, she's Druish, which is like... Yeah, she's right. a Druish which, princess. Apparently, Mel Brooks didn't like that joke originally. He thought it was getting a little too close to the line, but then... No, he decided. I think he does that a lot with his gags. Like he yeah. decides he really doesn't like him, and then he hears him and like, no, that's it's pretty funny. But yeah. as I said, yeah, in retrospect, he's happy he left it in the movie. Yeah, right. the whole thing, great. Just when we need a Druish princess, funny, <laughs> she doesn't look Druish. <laughs> that was awesome, and it actually, I feel like, well, what he said originally was that they were going for that joke, and that's why they named it Druidia. And then I guess yeah, he would have pulled it back, and then, but I'm glad he stuck with it because it really right. sold. And actually with uh, the Schwartz, there's a lot of speculation with that because you have the Schwartz and it's, you know, just a normal like kind of Jewish sounding last name. But then also at the same time, there's um, Schwarz in German means black, which kind of makes the dick jokes way funny. (laughs) Um, And then there's there's another Schwartz, but it's not spelled the same way or Schwenz or something like that that has another meaning. So... There's, like, speculation that Schwartz has a double meaning more than just sounding kind of like a, a funny Jewish version of the Force. Yes, I thought Schwartz actually meant penis, but I know that's not true. That's, that's not, not true. No. Um, that's just what we're taught as children, because we see it, and they're like, he's holding his dick. He said, Schwartz, when I get to school tomorrow, my dick's going to be called a Schwartz. <laughs> I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Yeah, because I said that all the time while measuring dicks with all the boys. Well. Really now? <laughs> no. And how did that go? <laughs> there's videos oh, and we were in eighth grade so they're illegal but they're they're no out there. dear god sean dear god there's that I'm line just kidding, there's Jesus. you pissing on it from the other side <laughs> well i mean i'm gonna make a confession here as funny as this movie is it's my least favorite mel brooks movie what um I, you I, haven't I, seen the 12 chairs <laughs> that, yeah exactly um, I haven't seen 12 Chairs yet. Yeah, you're right. I would probably say this is my third least favorite. Because then it's 12 Chairs, Dracula Dead and Loving It, then Spaceballs. I'm just going to come out and say it's probably my second favorite right behind Blazing Saddles. Really? And I'll tell you why, though. Because I, being that I'm not a huge film nerd like everyone else is, but I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. Okay. I appreciate it on a different level. And I love it for all the parodies that it does. The whole, the whole um, snotty bit with oh my god, with, with snotty beaming. beamed me last oh, night. It was god. wonderful. <laughs> twice, yeah, he beamed her twice. Um, 
I just every little stupid gag like that. I just I loved because yeah. I I love those gonna, real I love the real versions of those movies so much, and mm-hmm. I just I appreciate it. I'm gonna say that it's it's right in the middle. It's right in the middle. It's probably my fourth favorite now, and the reason I say that is because. From the way that I think about movies now, it's probably really low on my list of Mel Brooks movies. But as a kid, this movie was my favorite one above Blazing Saddles and even Young Frankenstein. As a child up until oh, I was like a okay. teenager, it was my favorite. So it's right there in the middle. I got to say, like, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein are tied for my two favorite. And I mean, they're up there in, like, my top five movies of all time. And then underneath that is going to be Spaceballs and then Men in Tights are tied. For the love of God, it's got John Hurt. It's well, like John, John, yeah, John Hurt doing his not again. <laughs> right. That it's was just, great. Uh, <laughs> I will say that I think... What's I, that coming out of their noses? Space balls. <laughs> <laughs> I will shit. say that I think I liked this movie a lot more when I was a kid, for sure. But I also think a lot of that had to do with Bill Pullman. And the wow. fact that I had a fat I'm crush shocked. on him. Yeah. Now I think he would be like a really cool uncle. But like at the time, I thought he was super cute. So it's yeah. funny though. I mean, I I watched it when I was a kid and I laughed because it was funny, but I didn't get it. I didn't yeah. really appreciate it, and I didn't start to appreciate it until I became a sci-fi connoisseur of my right, right. adult age. I feel like with Mel Brooks though, his real strength—it's in the natural comedy moments. It's in his dialogue. It's in—he does have visual gags too. But like that, to me, Mel Brooks speaks of dialogue, of crazy witty dialogue and crazy funny scenes. And this movie—I mean, because the the lines are just kind of cheap gags. The dialogue doesn't lend itself to that natural sense of comedy. Right. It's very in-your-face, very much like the gags are uh, in this movie. And maybe that's why I don't like it as much. It was fun for me when I was a kid, but now that I've matured a little bit more, I feel like my taste has grown to a different place. You know, really? I still, love, I still love my Ace Ventura. I still love my, my Even... wacky, zany stuff, but in a certain, I have to be in a certain mood for it. What about the subtext of, of political irony in the asshole scene? Oh, I think that one. <laughs> Who is he? He's an asshole, sir. I know that. What's his name? That is his name, sir. Asshole. Major asshole. And his cousin? He's an asshole too, sir. Gunner's mate, first class Philip asshole. Wait, how many how assholes, many assholes are we got on this ship? Yo. Yo. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. <laughs> but see, that is, do you not understand that it has to do with what was going on in Peru at the time? Oh, for God's sake, Sean. <laughs> That's okay. a direct reference to the South American death squads that were <laughs> Okay, you know yes. what? Fuck all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brian, once again, does not know shit about Spaceballs. Shut the fuck up, dude. Okay, so, look, um, where I was getting at is the actors in these movies, I mean, he had, like, Cloris Leachman and Madeline Kahn and hey, Gene Wilder. And Dom DeLuise was in this one, too. Dom DeLuise was in this Which one, too. Which is one of yes. the cheapest visual gags. It is. Right. The, that his is mouth, such... You can see his mouth in the mouth that's moving. It's ridiculous. That is such a forced way to get a motivation <laughs> to help save the print. Like, it is yeah, the story is so... gonna send out for you. you. I, this... this <laughs> terrible it is such a bad premise for a story that that this is one of the things that i think i don't appreciate about it because the story is just not as solid i mean the concept of the fact that the space balls need to steal oxygen away from druidia it's just it's really silly even though wait I do... a second wait a second sarah what one million space bucks so one meal like one thousand yeah. space bucks like spabuckes which were actually Peruvian coins used. Oh, for fuck's sake. 
Okay, I'm going to stop with the Peruvian. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, there's a word for people who try to extract meaning from nothing. Idiocy. Oh. Wow, he just threw it down. Ben's fighting I thought you were going to say Scientologist. (laughs) (laughs) And Sean recovers. Sean, there's so many reasons why I love you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, no, the, the space balls needing to, to steal air from Druidia, that, that's, it's just silly. It's so silly. But Although that's... I did like the thing where he's like huffing the can of yes, oxygen, yes, yes, Perrier. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid, For but me, it was funny. Uh... To be that person who always <coughs> super overanalyzes everything that I see, yeah. I enjoy that kind of stuff sometimes okay. because there's nothing for me to really think to, to, to say to myself, okay, I have to disbelieve. I have to, I have to, I have to check out of reality for a moment just so I can enjoy this movie because everything was ridiculously stupid. Yeah, and I could just sit there and watch it and just laugh for what right. it was worth. Yeah. Right. But there are certainly highlights to this. Uh, Rick Moranis. Oh God. So this he was great in this movie. He was great. Um, the little scene with the action figures and stuff completely freaking improv yep. because Mel Brooks just kind of randomly came up with it one day on the set. That is brilliant. That scene is great. That scene is perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, he does... Uh, Brooks definitely called in some reinforcements from Canada for this movie because Candy was great in this movie. Well, John Candy's good in everything. Yeah. You know? and, I mean, it's kind of, I kind of regret that this was the only movie they got to work on together. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, would have been awesome if he had made it into... I don't know. Men in Tights, he would have been a great little John. I don't know if he would, he would have been in Dracula, but it would have been fun. Yeah. You know, John Candy died in 1994. I think I was 11. Brian, you were nine. And as children, it's like, you know, you understand what's happening. But it didn't really set in with me until I watched the John Candy tribute documentary on the Blu-ray. And I actually started tearing up. I was like, I never really dealt with John Candy leaving us. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. everybody who worked with him on that movie, you, you know, to a certain extent, when they were talking about it after the fact, you know, obviously you all have an appreciation for those who have passed, but they genuinely loved working with him. Yeah. He was just really, really good at what he did. Uh, and he didn't have an easy time doing this because he had a 30 pound battery strapped to his back. Yeah. And was operating his tail at the same time while two other people were operating his ears individually. So he had a lot going on throughout this movie. And he had to carry all the luggage? Uh, yes, he did. Oh, right. Oh, my God. Her that- Majesty's matched luggage! <laughs> what? Her Majesty's matched luggage! <laughs> I love that part when he's like strapped in the seatbelt and he's like trying to get up and it's not undone. He just like stands up and goes, oh, that'll leave a mark. <laughs> and he Which get was a total ad lib. Total too. ad lib. That was something Chris Farley would do too in some of his, his bits. Odd little parallel there. But um, my favorite bit of actually of Barf uh, is... Uh, Which is short for Bartholomew. <laughs> I love that. Uh, is, uh, it's, it's actually, it's the yogurt statue. It's the falling on his foot and then like getting this giant like cartoon size <laughs> yeah. pancake foot. Oh yes, foot. Brian loves Looney Tunes and all Looney Tunish gags. There you go. Well, I'm just saying if the movie's gonna No, go, it's a good thing. If They're the hilarious. If the movie's gonna turn down the subtlety a little bit, let's just go for it. Let's just do a something that's, that's something that's so ridiculously cartoonish, you know? Yeah. And uh, and having Mel Brooks, of course, as, as yogurt was great, and um, <laughs> and as President Scroob, which Scroob is just Brooks like, backwards. I just love it. Space balls the flamethrower. That kids love it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we'll all meet up again in Space Balls too. 
The Search, search for, for More, more Money. money. <laughs> <laughs> Which there actually was supposed to be at one point a Spaceball sequel that was in early talks, but they were gonna they were gonna do it with Rick Moranis, and it never quite settled. And I think it was a money issue. I don't really. Did they do a Spaceballs cartoon? They though? did do a it Spaceballs is. animated series. It was thirteen episodes, one season, and it aired in two thousand eight. I want to say. And you can get it on Amazon Instant Video. I have not seen yeah. it though. I've tried to watch a couple episodes, and it's it's really it's geared towards kids. Sure. Yeah, it is. So it's, it's geared towards very... an audience that's not built in, which I thought was weird. If they made it more adult and made it m- more satirical in nature rather than just going for kids who don't know about this movie, I guess it would have been more successful. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when they did the Ace Ventura cartoon Ugh. series and when they did the Mask cartoon series. Well, I mean, you you any cartoon series. Uh, well, you know, VHS. the Ghostbusters car- cartoon series kind of, that was pretty successful. It was really successful. Yeah, but they also, yeah. I mean, you could tell they were trying to be the movies because they had... The guy who was playing Bankman was trying to do a Bill Murray impression. Well, yeah, they were trying to be the movies, except for Slimer. They totally changed Slimer's character. Yeah, Yeah, Slimer Slimer became all of a sudden a a pal. He was a dog, basically. Right, right. Well, you know, they had they were trying to be more like the Hanna Barbera cartoons, with like Scooby Doo and Jabberjaw and all that stuff. (laughs) They kind of implied that though in um, in the Ghostbusters too, because Slimer's just kind of hanging around. True, uh, true, true, true. They never they never said it outright, but he's just kind of hanging around the Ghostbusters firehouse, and they don't say anything to him at all. That's that's fair, right? I will say. It, one thing that was cool about them doing the the Spaceballs animated series is that Mel Brooks lended his voice for that. Daphne Zuniga came back for it, so they kind of had a few a few original cast members doing their voices on the animated series, which is kind of cool. Joan Rivers obviously not, Rick Moranis definitely not, because at that point he's just pretty much stopped working by choice by choice. But still, I John mean, Rick Candy. Moranis had some you know he had some successful movies in the early nineties. He could retire at that point. He's one of the major holdups for Ghostbusters 3. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the movie that will never happen. The movie that is forever in limbo. Uh, yeah. uh, and I don't think Bill Pullman has been doing a whole heck of a lot well, he lately. He was on 1600 Pen. And, but then oh, that, that's well, right. He was on that. And, I mean, obviously he was in Independence Day. He was in Casper. <gasps> I think he's cruising on all that Mr. Wrong money. <laughs> Mr. Wrong. Oh, uh, there's a movie with Ellen DeGeneres. This is before Ellen came out of the closet. So uh, there was this bit where she was uh, playing just this woman who thinks he's Mr. Right, but he's just like the worst possible boyfriend. But he, through a very twisted turn of events, ends up marrying oh, him. Oh. Or at least you think that he's it about to really marry It was a really bad her. movie yeah. from like 1994 or 5. Oh, yep. he was also in While You Were Sleeping. I forgot about that. Yeah, he, and it was like, this is in Seattle as well. He had a very good career in the early 90s. Yeah. I have to say, I do really like the bit where they're pulling all the snow off of that mountain while they're sucking all the air out of the Ah, the Paramount logo gag. Yes. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I did think it was kind of uh, the combing the desert scene. (laughs) Oh, Um, my God. I didn't realize how funny that was until I was like, wow, that's kind of racist that they've got like the... The two, the two black stormtrooper-ish characters with the the hair pick kind of uh-huh. that comb. We ain't, found, we ain't shit. found shit. <laughs> that is, it is pretty racist, but I think it was meant to be in the sense, yeah, in the sense where you've got somebody who can make blazing saddles work. Then I mean, again, it's it does go to Mel Brooks's. I don't care. I'm going to say it because we're all thinking it, and let's let's break down this barrier by making right. you laugh at it. 
Right. So I, I get it. I get it. But I just like how he went into accuracy. And that, now, these aren't just combs. These are replica ace combs. Yes. That they had. Well, and also in that desert scene, aside from Dark Helmet wearing his awesome safari getup. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. With the giant like. Yeah. The giant pith helmet. Um, I will say it's kind of cool that they did the same special effect that they did for the um, land speeders in Star Wars. Yep. With the mirrors. With the mirror on the bottom to kind of cover up the workings down there. But they did the same same exact special effect to and make it look love, like they were floating. Also love later that night when we find out that Lone Star is of course from the Ford Galaxy. Yes, he's from the Ford Galaxy. <laughs> That's funny. Which I also find really funny cuz he's like he shows up and he's like I'm a prince. Prince of what? What is he a prince of? I, well, his you, he's he's from the Ford Galaxy, but is he a prince of a specific planet? Well, Who the fuck yogurt doesn't get specific. Yogurt just says that his his father was. Okay, I know, but now he's left guys, to wonder for the rest of his life. If we're going to be talking about the the solidness of the plot of the, the solidity of the plot, <laughs> let me say it again. If we're going to be talking about the solidity of the plot of this movie, I mean, there's a couple of holes here that are wide open. Well, sure, that's being one of them. <laughs> okay, I'm surprised that none of us have have made the most famous quote of it all, which is of course, "Before you die." There's something you should know about us, Lone Star. What? <laughs> I am your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. What does that make us? Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. <laughs> which is so, what you are about to become. So father brother's nephew. nephew. No, 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 no. Father's brother's nephew's cousin's former, important, former roommate. So he could just be, in fact, Lone Star's former roommate, if you look at the way that that yeah. breaks down. Well, no, because he's his nephew's well, cousins, his, his okay. father's brothers. Nephew's cousin would mean he so his be, unless uncles, his So his uncles... But, so you say his uncle's nephew, that is him. Unless his uncle has another nephew. Right, through marriage, yeah, which he could. That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Could be a half-brother. Nephew's cousin, which could also be Lone Star, because he's a cousin of the nephew. So it can work that it's actually... I him. think that's a bit of a stretch, Brian. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> oh, obviously really? he didn't remember him, so, you know. Right. But giant then again. plot hole number three. <laughs> <laughs> and another giant plot hole. This one is like, I was watching it today, I was like, wow, I can't believe that that's there. So the entire plot hinges on the space balls trying to steal the air the space from the balls. I like how you said that. The space, <laughs> the space balls. balls. <laughs> Trying to steal the air from the Doridians. <laughs> God, thank yes. you, Woody Allen. Yes. 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 Okay. And the entire thing is to get the king of Doridia to give the passcode to open up the seal, right? Right. Yet the seal opens when she flies out. No problem when she tries to leave the planet. That kind of just destroyed it for well, me. Well, maybe she had like a little clicker. A little yeah. fob. To, <laughs> to get the princess. Why didn't they get the fucking fob? Like remote instead of trying to know to ransom her for because they left wait the a car second, wait on a the second. desert planet. They did. Brian, let's say that you're oh, actually no, Princess Vespa and you know you're gonna take off. Wouldn't you be able to easily steal your dad's shitty code for <laughs> the airlock, which happens to be one, two, three, four? Look, you wouldn't even have to steal it. You could just thing guess. my luggage. <laughs> you could have out of frustration just put one, two, three, four, five and been fine. But here's the thing, though. Like, if that's the case, why ransom the king? He could, they could have just gotten it from the princess. Yes? Because the princess isn't going to tell him that she knows that. She's hardcore, man. She Nobody is. <laughs> the trouble I see. Nobody oh, knows she's a bass. But she <laughs> ah, she's a contractor. She is. That's what they said, though, in the thing. She's like, oh, she's a bass. But no, we have to correct ourselves. They did actually take the car. 
because uh, Dark Helmet looks in the car looking for her. Oh, so that's there right. Was and then a he falls in. in there, he like, could oh. have found the clicker. Yeah. Thank he you. Only looked inside, but he only but looked he's inside. A idiot. That's true. And he was yeah. wearing. And he was wearing. They're a dark all helmet. idiots. Yeah, that dark helmet. You know, it's a double-edged sword. Is what that is. It, I'm well, all sure I'm saying is Mel Brooks is a smart spots. guy, and I'm sure he has a great explanation. I love this. Can we keep discussing the plot holes? Yeah, yeah, this is really? so much fun. This is so stupid and kind of a waste of time, probably. But it's so much fun. It is really nerdy, so I guess that's kind of the okay, point. Okay, so let's talk about the logistics of a Winnebago with wings. Okay, <laughs> shall, we, shall we talk about and break those physics down, tear those apart, please? I honestly just don't think that that Winnebago could have uh, handled the hyper jets that were strapped R- to exactly. it. Oh, at least way, it didn't go I plaid. Have to say, I have they to say, went plaid. The opening shot of this movie oh, is still the yeah. It's still the funniest it's shot in the so movie. Fu- yeah. whole, it takes like two minutes. No, for it, it takes to- one minute and 38 seconds. For it to get to the back to of the get ship. To the back so, of the ship. Unbelievable. They had to make that model. And you yeah. think about all the detail they like put in for Star Wars, for right. the Star Destroyers, and, and the freaking Death Star, and all the battleships kits they had to cannibalize to mm-hmm. make that. I want to know if Mega Maid and Spaceball 1 exist somewhere. If they still have them. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? What I actually find funny is that if you, considering that the ILM people helped make this movie, the fact that they have enough sense of humor about their work to make fun of themselves by right. making this super long, yeah. <laughs> but equally as detailed ship mm-hmm. that takes forever to, to get through. <laughs> well, and it's so funny that, like, we break for no that one. That <laughs> Spaceball One happen- like happens to have a circus and a shopping mall and all these things on and it. A like, and a zoo. And all these things that are like, uh, that you just see like escaping in the pods at the end. It's just like, really? That pod scene though, where <laughs> they, shoot- they, they did set that up in the first act. So it's yeah. not like, it's not totally out of left field when it happens. The, the whole pods being ejected mm-hmm. from Mega Maid. You could have spliced that into Star Wars: A New Hope, and you probably would have never known the difference because it well, was so close. Well, aside from so the fact close. that you have the face of yeah. the Statue of Liberty. No, 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 no. I mean the actual ejection scene. That okay. One clip where you see it actually being right, right, you know, right, sure. From the point of view being yeah, shot out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is spot it on. It was really good. It's these things that impress me. Sure. sure, <laughs> sure. It's the humor. It's the silly dialogue, and it's mostly dark helmet. Like the <laughs> when they do go. Um, to ludicrous speed. <laughs> oh, right. So there was light speed, ridiculous speed, right. then ludicrous speed. Yeah. After they stops it and they're like, that's so dangerous. They start stop it anyway. And he just goes flying forward. And then when he like stands up and he just, he basically channels exactly what he did then in, in Ghostbusters of just kind yeah. of playing that like awkward Lewis character. What? Yeah. <laughs> How about we take a five minute break? <laughs> Smoke them if you got them. <laughs> are we stopped? Good. <laughs> How are you? I, I, I'm fine. So, oh, good. I, I would like to say that Rick Moranis, in that character that he does, where he's like dazed and just got his head smashed, is a lot like Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly in the first. <laughs> <laughs> are you telling me doc Did you stop are you telling me for speed this this ship can go ludicrous speed and it's actually a delorean so i just found on amazon an original oh my god props. that's amazing yeah, it's a scale model miniature authentic to the one they actually used during filming and what's cool is it comes with a little picture of them actually <gasps> 
doing the filming. Is that, that cool? Is so, I Am want I that. Am I the one that thinks it looks like a really fucked up dildo? Yes, you are. I, yes. Um, I wasn't, I I was wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking like a really that. cool spaceship and Eric, not something you hold for my rectum. I screen. wasn't even thinking that. And I will tell you very truthfully that today while I was out like shopping oh, around, I saw two things that I rem- that reminded me of awkward dildos. And that is not one of them. You're, you're telling me that picture does not look phallic at all. It does. It just, I, I okay. didn't want to think of it in that way. And now, now Much that's like all a I can think of. Brian, it looks like a robot dick. <laughs> I just you, I really really wanted to buy this make this and put LEDs in really awesome places I know right you can also put that in very awesome places according to Brian <laughs> <laughs> hi-o which becomes all the more awkward with the LEDs don't judge him <laughs> alright let's not be that <laughs> this cr- has been a wonderful this has been a very yeah tangential episode well that's kind of what Spaceballs is all about so we really were fair enough you know Fair enough. Spaceballs the lunchbox. Spaceballs the t-shirt. Spaceballs the breakfast cereal. I love that after how they have the merchandising scene. It's the Spaceballs toilet paper. Well, there's that, but there's also um, Spaceballs the sheets when President oh, Scrooge. Oh, God, Spaceballs the toilet paper. So right. Yeah, that's so good. That is Some, so good. One crew member has that, like, left that hanging in their destroyed dorm room. I'm sure. I would like Probably. to see uh, Spaceballs the condoms. I think that would have been fun. <laughs> little yogurt shaped condoms oh god. oh god his head was ribbed for her pleasure Not... i'm just saying look at the head it no, wouldn't be I under- the I worst under- thing to cross the threshold of your vagina is uh, all i'm saying uh, <laughs> yeah the cross the threshold of the threshold of your vagina <laughs> The threshold of her One does not simply cross the threshold of your vagina. (laughs) Oh, can that be a meme? Abandon all hope, ye who cross through these walls. (laughs) All right, that's becoming a meme. Through these meat curtains. Vagina threshold. Great. Um, I just want to throw something out to to help wrap all of this up. And for our our show notes, uh, listeners, we'll have a very special link on Amazon for you. And, um, of course, that is for the, the New Schwanstein Castle in Bavaria, 2,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I have, man. I have pictures of the completed puzzle. Uh, I've done it. It's a beautiful one. It's made by Buffalo, which is a extreme... Buffalo Games is a well-known uh, puzzle maker. And we will have that link for you so that if you uh, click on that, you can you can buy it. It's on sale right now for fourteen ninety nine at the time of this recording which is 25% off the usual price. So I just got to say, folks, you're in for a treat. It was a, it was a doozy. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You're kind of inspiring me to go home and do like my Simpsons puzzle a little bit. I only have two puzzles at home. but I What do I have on the table whenever you come puzzle. over? Uh, puzzles. Exactly. That was drier yeah. than a martini without vermouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. This is going in the show notes. This is going to happen. I don't know why you're all laughing. This is this is silly. Oh. I, it's adorable. That's why we're laughing. It's oh, it's good. precious. But you all you all understand the seriousness of this. We all know you really like puzzles. Good. All right. Excellent. How do you think they stick together? Um. Anyway, so <laughs> don't answer that question, Eric. Please, I, Eric God. is the I, second best customer of Buffalo Puzzles. Uh, the first best customer is Bellevue Mental Hospital. They buy the most. <laughs> puzzles for their recreation room but eric is second (laughs) you want to know where i buy my puzzles from i buy them from the thrift store for two very important reasons one they're considerably cheaper than buying them online new i'm gonna do some puzzles got buffalo in my pocket (laughs) and two 
The fun part is when you have missing pieces and then you can recreate the pieces to can create a completed puzzle. For those of you who doubt me and think this is a joke, I actually do this. I was actually thinking of d- putting up a DIY uh, YouTube video. A DIY. DIY. I'm dyslexic. In- We've already acknowledged this. <laughs> do, <yourself it. laughs> do-, <laughs> do yourself it. <laughs> do yourself it. That's that's <laughs> only sold in the South. <laughs> do yourself it. Puzzles. <laughs> Hey. This is a puzzle of Johnny Cash on a John Deere tractor. <laughs> this is a puzzle of Tim McGraw riding a unicorn made of Budweiser into the sunset. <laughs> Interesting note, though, John Deere has its own puzzle line of all John um, Deere has like a tractors. ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I will no, John Deere stop with the fucking puzzle shit. <laughs> no, who's okay. it? No, 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 Sean, we're going to take it back. We're going to take it back. John Deere actually has a surprisingly prolific marketing department because there is so much John Deere merchandise that I would not be surprised if they had a John Deere flamethrower. John Deere actually had a very limited selection of scarves for many like to to tractor their lawns in late fall, early winter. And I happen to have procured about six of them. Great. Thank you, Alan. Good Lord. Sean, I'm sending you a link to all the different John Deere puzzles. Oh, Jesus, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did I get Eric, one with Johnny Cash I love John you, Deere tractor? But let it go. Eric really likes puzzles, and apparently they're the only thing that's helping keep his blood pressure low. So <laughs> This true. one is Merle Haggard <laughs> in a jacuzzi filled with Old Crow whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> this one is Dolly Parton's boobs. That's it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh. Well, folks, do you like space balls? <laughs> do you like space balls? We do. <laughs> it's an excellent homage. This movie to, is a wonderful to homage to Star Wars, Star Trek, Alien, and most sci-fi films of the late 70s and early 80s. Why do I feel like you just went from walking to Woody Allen? I did. It's what, you know... It's a, it's a wonderful movie. Uh, it um, does represent most of the, <laughs> of the sci-fi films of the early <laughs> 80s and late 70s. Oh my god, it's Woody Walken. <laughs> it's just the, when you said most, I was sold most. <laughs> it's, it's been a while since you guys have done impressions. I like it. Okay, all right, Brian, you do this line that I've set aside for us as Lone Star, as Woody Allen, and I'll do Barf, but as the ladies' man. All right, here we go. We're not just doing this for money. We're doing this for a shitload of money. Oh, you are right, baby. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you are always right. (laughs) In the butt. <laughs> that was good. You just have to put in the butt at the end of anything in the <laughs> voice, and it just fucking brings it oh. home. Oh, boy. Oh, well, you're right. And uh, when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Ronald Reagan, ladies and gentlemen. No. <laughs> I was going to say Vincent Price, but that, that, that's good. That's oh, no, good. that would be more like, oh, well, you're right. No, that's more Stewie. Oh. Well, Stewie has right. of Vincent Price in his voice, yeah. Vincent Price, you have to have this <laughs> Batman I will throw eggs at you, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, we're not just doing this for money. We're doing this for a shitload of money. Oh, 
you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. So let's go into listener feedback. Listener feedback. Can I just say for all of our lovely listeners out there, Brett, uh, be careful when you decide to shit talk the sharks and then we just beat you. So. Oh, (laughs) shit. <laughs> it was all in good fun, but it did happen on Twitter. So, if, hey, actually, you know what? Feel free to shit talk the sharks and shit talk me on Twitter. I don't really care. <laughs> yep. How do Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe's dicks feel jammed into your ass at the same time? Oh, oh damn. <laughs> wow. Hey, it feels like... Metaphorically. No, I will tell you how that feels, Sean. It feels like a <laughs> three-year contract extension because that's what they both just got. So yeah, baby girl. Yeah, they got a lot of money. You know, they got to protect it somehow. We do have a feedback from Meg. It says, "This kind of just broke my brain. Hated that bit, and now it's just uh, extra depressing. Love this movie as long as you don't want to think." That was in reference to uh, the question that Dave posted earlier this week about Greece, Greece. and the flying car. Yeah. <clears throat> um. May I read my response to that? Go for <laughs> Please. it. Referencing the post that Dave did about what do you think, nerds, about the theory of the ending of Greece, I kind of went on a rant on there. And anybody that hasn't seen that, I want to be able to speak it out to you because I think it's a pretty solid theory. Go ahead. <clears throat> My theory is that Sandy and Danny were both born and lived their lives much later than the 1950s. They were married with children and had a horrible divorce which destroyed their family. They both had to bury their children, never even reconciling in light of these horrible events. Then they both died separately on separate parts of the world in their late 80s. Their purgatory was Rydell High School in the 1950s, and they could not move on into the afterlife to reunite with their children without getting back together despite their differences, which mirrored the ones that tore them apart in real life. Them riding the car into the clouds was their triumphant journey to the afterlife. We call that the lost ending. Ah, oh, I was this is say. This is from the, uh, the unauthorized sequel, What Grease May Come. <laughs> 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 Oddly enough, the porn version has the exact same name. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Didn't uh, even come up with a fancy name. We're just like, we can't do funnier than that. <laughs> Good <copy> enough. <laughs> uh, so Dino gave us some great feedback when we were talking about recasting Young Frankenstein. He thought, this keeps coming into my head, but Jim Carrey as Igor or Kemp? Yes? No? Kemp. Totally Kemp. I actually could see him as... Yeah. As... Uh, Kemp, yeah. I actually said I could see him as either, but I think Kemp would be a better choice for him now. The physical comedy of it. Yeah. With the, with with the, the arm. arm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question. And he can do the accent, no problem. Of course. Yeah, so folks, uh, hit us up on the social media. <laughs> All of them. Uh, you can tweet us. Hit me up on Friendster and on uh, Slowgram. It's like Instagram, except it takes three days, so you have time to decide whether it's a terrible <laughs> picture or not. I think we were also working on our live journal page. <laughs> Zanga. We're on Zanga. Uh, yeah. You can chat me on AIM. <laughs> yeah, you can instant message us on AIM. I do have some really funny away messages that you guys should all read and appreciate. Uh, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you can follow our company at Erdonomy, but you also can help follow us personally. I'm at Brian Moriarty. I'm at Sarah Ash 16 I'm at The Brickmont. I am at Big Sean Moe in well, the butt. <laughs> And you can also follow me at Intrusive Allen. A L E N. Thank you, Alan. Okay, right, so. I can't fucking handle this anymore. Proton pack. 
proton packs would still be in the 80s. I'm going tired of them. Oh, wait, we should say what we're going to do next week real quick. Yes. Next week, um, we are going to do History of the World Part 1. And we're going to have another guest on. We are hopefully going to have another guest if it all works out beautifully. And we're hopefully going to be, we're going to be recording right after the Super Bowl, so we'll hopefully be basking in the glory of the, the Denver Broncos. I apologize for either my extreme level of depression or hyperactivity. Yeah. And or drunkenness. Yeah, that's also going <laughs> to happen. And I also apologize if the space-time continuum tears in half once I meet via Skype this guest that you're talking about. Oh, I know. You say I'm, it is. I'm not. I, I, that'll, yeah. be, that'll be tough. There yes, might be a rift. I am going to say this right now. If this person does show up, I vote that we don't cut any of the most horrible things that we say between the two of us. He might have his game show host thing going on, which means he might be a little tame, but hopefully not. I think, Sean, once you set the template, he'll probably just go full, yeah. go balls deep. So Yeah, that's so, creepy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, like yeah. I was saying, uh, until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into us next week. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Bye. And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. My brains are going into my feet! <laughs> <laughs>